0: What is real and what is fake? Sometimes it's hard to know the difference. And really does it matter. If you're happy in your own little world, do you really need to have your bubble burst? You probably should. In this episode, we take a look at what is reality and why it matters.
1: Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan Landis and I'm here with Miranda Marquette. How are you, Miranda?
0: I am doing all right. How are you doing?
1: I am also doing all right. It's been a couple of crazy weeks. It's been surreal, I might say. Yes. Surreal, right? Not so real. uh, Because we're talking about fake news today.
0: Yeah, we are talking a little bit about fake news, because it became a big deal. There's always been fake news. There's always been sensationalism back in the days of yellow journalism in the early 1900s. And all of that, there's always been this sort of fake news, but it, it sort of reached a new level of realness, I guess, back during the election when it came out that there were teenagers in Macedonia putting together fake news stories and people were sharing them. If you were on Facebook at all during that time, then you know like the outrage factor. Every time somebody shared something fake, it wasn't true, but everybody would just pile on and be angry
1: about it. It was really kind of weird in a lot of ways. Definitely weird. And we have to bring this up because there's there's definitely a difference between fake news and biased journalism, right? Those are those are two different things. But lately, they seem to be getting lumped together. And we just have to separate these things for a little bit. I mean, they're both harmful in their own ways. But fake news is completely fabricated stories. When you saw things shared among your friends, among older people, among younger people, it's just it was everywhere. Stories like yeah, there's a couple of headlines here that really stood out to me as, you know, obviously fake. Pope Francis shocks world endorses Donald Trump for president. This was an actual story that was shared many, many times, but it wasn't real. It was completely fabricated by one of these, you know, I, I don't know who it was, maybe this was the Macedonian teenager, maybe it was someone else, but they post these completely fake stories on websites that have names that sound like they could be actual publications. Like Denver Guardian was one example that I saw. Denver Guardian sounds like it could be a newspaper based out of Denver or a website based out of Denver, but it's not. It's just completely made up and it's designed to look like a real news website. And they have these, they're not even sensationalized stories. They're completely made up. Another one was the um, FBI agent suspected in Hillary email leaks found dead of apparent murder suicide. And this was a huge, widely shared story, and it was completely made up.
0: That reminds me of the child porn ring in the pizza shop. And that actually prompted somebody to come down to the pizza shop and open fire because they had read this fake news story. And they thought that Hillary Clinton was running a child porn ring out of a pizza shop. And it just wasn't true. And I think it's important, though, that you bring up that difference between fake news and a biased perspective, because these are two different things. With fake news, it's just outright not true. It's just things that aren't true, things that didn't happen, things that are made up. But a biased perspective is, is a little different because it takes a look at a slant. This is stuff like on the left side, MSNBC as a good example. A lot of the news there is is given with a liberal bias or a liberal slant. On the other side, there's Fox News. A lot of the information given there is given with a conservative slant or bias. And basically, this is a way of taking the facts and taking what you know and either spinning them to fit your own narrative or cherry picking information and facts. or And to some degree, sometimes it even is misrepresenting some of them, just so that it gives more weight to your story. So a biased perspective is taking things that might have actually happened, but then spinning them to fit your own narrative and
1: to kind of push that out there. Yeah. And in this super polarized environment that we have right now, where everybody is so angry about the other side and how their thoughts and views aren't represented accurately by the other side, and they feel that they need to glom on to their beliefs. We have incidents where we end up believing things that we are told. And and like you were talking about the issue in D.C. with the pizza shop, the, there are real-world consequences. And this isn't going away because we have our government leaders right now who are taking sides against the media they they're looking at the media as the enemy and uh, historically the media is the only thing that held our government's feet to the fire and that's that's an important role of the media but when you have the president of the country pointing at a reporter from CNN which is a legitimate news organization it is not fake news these are not stories that are made up occasionally there's going to be a slant one way or the other on CNN with CNN it's actually kind of in the middle because you'll find slanting that goes either way but when you have the leader of our government pointing to a cnn reporter and saying fake news then it definitely muddles the idea of what fake news is because you have people who want to believe that anything that disagrees with their perspective which cnn might do at some point is fake we want to believe that the things that we don't agree with uh, there's either an agenda Or they're just fake.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of a problem because the thing that this does, whether you're sharing on social media, whether you're cherry picking information or, or doing whatever it is you're doing, the problem with this is it gets us in this habit of saying, oh, if this presents something that is contrary to my worldview, it can be easily dismissed and we can dismiss it immediately as not real. And that's a problem, because part of the way we interact in a civil society and part of the way that we interact as people and the way we should be making public policy is saying, okay, uh, this challenges my worldview, let's dig into it and, and let's listen to it. And now we're basically being told it's okay. And from the highest level, we're being told it's okay to just dismiss everything that disagrees with what we think. And that's a problem. I live in an area where it's impossible for me to do this. I'm surrounded by people with a worldview that's different to mine. So every day, every time I walk out the door, every time I interact with people I know, I am engaging with somebody who has a different worldview from me. And I think it's healthy, because it, it makes me step back and say, wait a sec, some of my assumptions might be faulty
1: Yeah it's, it's healthy I think if you are exposed to rational people and I think I, I think that the, well the bottom line is that none of us are rational. All of our decisions are emotional or emotional based because of that I mean do facts even matter in, in this world did, did facts ever really matter And I'm, I'm almost to the point of saying well well no facts never really mattered It's always about the emotional impact that those facts have in this environment where it is so easy to create emotional impacts regardless of facts you can't take facts and argue with people because they're not going to be swayed by facts it's just not going to happen so how do how do you how do you go against that how do you how do you change someone's mind using facts when facts aren't what what anybody cares about? Unfortunately, there have been
0: studies out there that indicate that people, when confronted with actual facts that go against their personal narrative or their personal beliefs, they actually double down on their beliefs. So even if they are confronted with information that says that they are wrong, they double down. And it does. It takes, it takes some effort for you as a person to not double down. I know that not too long ago, I was in a meeting, I was attending a meeting, there was a guy that was presenting interesting data. And it was data that fundamentally went against what my narrative would have been as a political person as, as somebody who's involved in local politics, and as somebody who is kind of a party hack. So anyway, but the data he presented, challenged my assumptions and challenged my belief. And the first thing I did was I I noticed that I was tensing up, And I was like getting ready to be like, this is wrong, and this is why. And then I stopped. I went, wait a minute. These are numbers. He is showing numbers. He is showing data. And yes, you can massage data. And yes, you can spin data. And yes, you can come to different conclusions.
1: And yes, you can even have poor studies that are not conducted in a scientific manner. And the question is going to be, well, how do you differentiate from this bad data against what you know to be scientifically done studies?
0: Right. And that's and that's its own problem. But I I think the first thing to do is recognize, are you doubling down? Are you part of that problem? Because when I realized that, oh, my gosh, I am getting upset about numbers and I'm starting to double down in my bubble and trying to come up with reasons why these numbers are wrong. That's when I realized I was like, oh, wait a minute. I am, I am that person that I've been reading about and don't want to be. And so, so I, so I took a step back. And I actually went up and, and introduced myself to the presenter afterward and asked him if he could send me copies, because I found his data interesting. And he gave me a copy of the presentation. And now I can look into the numbers and see where they came from and double check and vet the sources. But if your immediate response to facts is like, Oh, no, I've got to shut that down. That's a problem. And the problem is, is you can't really reason with people like that. You do have to use emotion. You know, when when people who are like upset about facts and and double down on their beliefs in the face of facts are actually willing to listen more if you can find a story that they relate to and bring that to them on an, an emotional level. It just goes back to that idea that if you talk about the millions of refugees there are around the world, people don't care. They don't care that there are millions of people that are homeless, being forced out, and that are refugees around the world. But if you take one story and you show the story of this human's journey, they suddenly feel more sympathetic. And we care more about that one person than we do about the millions of other people. And it's really interesting the way we work that way and the way we connect on a human level. And so bringing that humanity into the facts and showing how that affects real people in their real lives makes a difference.
1: Yeah, I think it's got to be a combination. I mean, you do have to have those facts supporting and you do have to figure out exactly how to communicate to whoever it is that you're trying to communicate with.
0: So what happens when we pick and choose what we consume and believe? Like, what what is the problem with living in this reality bubble? Well, we
1: start to have a view of the world that isn't entirely accurate, but we continue to surround ourselves by people who believe the same things as we do. And it's so easy to filter out voices that disagree with us. And I I know that you recently deleted Facebook off of your phone. I have been going through and I just, the, the news lately, and of course this is airing a long time after we're recording it, but the news lately has been very disturbing for a lot of people, myself included I think there are disturbing things going on regardless of your political beliefs. Whatever you believe is going on, I haven't been dealing with it very well, so I've been reducing the amount of time. I've been trying to reduce, but I've been attempting to reduce the amount of time that I spend on social media for sure because it's an echo chamber and it's affecting my mental well-being right now. And that is not what I want to do. I want to stand up for the things that I believe in. and I want to take action when it's necessary for me to take action. But I can't deal with the, 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 the flood of incoming aggression, really.
0: Yeah. And I think that's part of the issue. I found that, you know, you just start doing it and, and whether I'm reading stuff I agree with or disagree with, it was really starting to suck up time. Like I'm like, oh, I've got 10 minutes. Let me just see what's happening on Facebook, and it was becoming my go to. And so I was like, this is negative. I'm surrounded by negativity. Yes, even the stuff that I agree with. It's exhausting. It's exhausting.
1: Yeah, even the stuff that I'm agreeing with, it's it's still so pointed and angry and, and biased. And yes, you know, I, I I'm coming from the same place. But I mean, this is just over the top, and I, I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> My new go to thing now is
0: I've got Duolingo. It's, it's, a, it's a language app. What I find, and it takes about 10 minutes to go through a, a lesson. So I'm like, if I've got 10 to 15 minutes to kill, Boom, it's the Duolingo app right now instead of Facebook. And I did, I just deleted it off. My, and there were uh, the first three days I was like trying to go to the face and i like, where's my Facebook app? <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was really frustrated. But now I feel better about life. And I am, I did it about three, th- four, four or five days ago before recording this. The The difference is already huge. I still check Facebook. I still. Do that, but I have to go to the computer, and so that means I have to like schedule some time. And it does help a little bit more. And I think it's important because one of the things that we're running into it right now is: are we going to be so beaten down by what we know are lies that we're just going to start assuming everything is a lie? And you know, where where can we go to get to this point where 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 we care about okay? What are facts and, and how can we make better decisions? Going
1: back first, I want to address that, but it's it's funny that, my, yeah, that you mentioned Duolingo. Before the new year, I was actually getting quite a bit into that, spending time doing that. But it's, it's good to know that once in a while, Miranda, you have 10 or 15 minutes to spare to learn another language. Um, I'm trying to do that as well. Uh, I haven't spent a lot of time with it. But what you're saying about muddying the water about what is truth, what is facts, I think that that seems to be the goal right now in, in our society among those who have power is that let's muddy the waters so they don't know who to believe. We just got to confuse everybody so that they have no choice but to trust what we are saying. Because if they don't trust the media and they don't trust the radio shows and they don't trust anything that's printed, you know who are they going to believe? There becomes this void in actual knowledge that any void needs to be filled The only thing that will fill it will be the only information that's coming out. And if the only information is coming out is being controlled, then it's it's just a dangerous situation to live in. And we haven't really experienced that in the United States, at least not while I was alive.
0: Yeah, it's really it is really kind of scary uh, as as somebody who. Was a communications major and a political science minor, and who seriously, as one of the requirements for a PR class that I took, we read about how to create propaganda. <laughs> we read about, and we studied this stuff. I mean, we studied, we studied how to create it as part of our PR thing, and, and in advertising as well. There's another advertising class where we we talked about it. You know, the U.S. was in, was dabbling in propaganda during World War II. There was a bunch of stuff against the Japanese, and the U.S. did this back then, but it has been. It's been decades since the U.S. has seriously been involved in this sort of thing from the top level and been involved in working to legitimately delegitimize the media. And yeah, there's a lot of things that the media should have done different in the last couple of years. And the rise of infotainment and the way the media has progressed over the last 30 years has been very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the golden age of media information, uh, like back in the day of Edward R. Moreau, I mean, this is going back. This is before I was even born. <laughs> but this is This is going way back. But if you look at that, back then... The news arm of media companies, of these TV stations, it was considered – they were supposed to lose money. Yeah, They expected them to do investigative journalism. They expected to pay for it, and they expected that news would lose money, and they considered it a public service to make sure – that we had information, that citizens were informed. And today, media companies expect their news to make money and entertain. And now they have kind of feel like they've been lost in the weeds and people are angry because now they realize that... Perhaps the fourth estate hasn't been doing its job as well as it could. But um, even so, there is still something very worrying about being at the top and saying stuff that is demonstrably untrue. You can go back and look at pictures. You can go back and see video. You can go back and see all of this. And they're saying things that aren't true. and And it's stuff, it's little things. It's stupid little things that are easily verifiable. That's what's different about what's happening right now.
1: And that's what's scary. One of the things that we're talking about without specifically calling it out is the inauguration attendance in Washington, D.C. there's photographic evidence and it hasn't been manipulated. It wasn't shown in a way to favor one side or the other. They're, you know, the same angle, same time compared to, you know, the same time frame. And it's It clearly shows one thing, but we think that. But is it so clear? Because there, there was a survey, and they asked people who supported Trump versus people who supported Hillary Clinton, what they see in these pictures. And I don't know whether people are deluding themselves on one side or the other, but people still saw white areas as people and said, well, this is obviously more, you know, highly attended compared to this picture from uh, whether it was four years ago or eight years ago, I don't remember which one they were comparing it to offhand. But there's this idea of reality that's so different in people's heads, depending on their belief system. And, you know, I, I remember back when George W. Bush was president, and there was this idea of what is reality-based faith versus faith-based reality. And we were living in a faith-based reality world at that time, or at least there were people who were saying that. And we kind of see how that works when you see that how you believe becomes how you perceive something. And what you may think is obvious one way may not be obvious to a person or may be obvious in the other end of the spectrum to another person just based on What they see. And it's not that they're lying or that they believe that they're they're lies or they're trying to support whatever it is their belief and make them feel better about themselves. But the actual perception is different. The perception of reality is different. So... Is there an objective reality when perception changes the way your beliefs change your perception?
0: I don't know. And that's the thing is we all have different perceptions and our perceptions are always bumping up against each other. But I think that there is some stuff that is objective. There are objective facts there is research that has that, that may not be completely may not be the be all and end all but there's research that has been done in different areas where you can look at it and say hey there's some overwhelming evidence to support this so it may not be you know written in stone and never changing but there are things that you can look at that you can say okay this is what is happening things like unemployment has gone down in the last 8 years it has. That's that's. A, you can look here and say, okay, well, which employment numbers are we looking at? Are we talking about full employment? Are we talking about people who have dropped off the rolls? I mean, you can you can look at things a different way, but at the same time, unemployment has gone down. Sixty-seven percent of people who voted for President Trump believe that it's higher than it used to be, and it's stuff like. The, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Whether or not you agree that it's a good measure of economic health, I don't. But whether or not you agree that it's a, it's a measure of economic health, it's gone up. It's up. It's much higher now than it was at the end of 2008. It just is. It's much
1: higher. And Yeah, I think what it comes <laughs> down to is do we take those facts and just – claim that they're irrelevant because we look at a study and say, well, you know, that study wasn't conducted properly, or the study is biased. It was funded by, let's say, a government that is Democrat when we're Republican. You know, there's people are twisting the facts. There, 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 there's no, there's no way to use those facts to convince somebody because if someone is not working and they look around and they see that their community is decimated because all of the jobs are gone because no one's manufacturing in the united states anymore whatever steel or whatever product it happens to be and the media and the world is telling you that unemployment is lower. It's at its lowest level. Does any of that make a difference? Because it's not the experience that someone has. I mean, how do you use those facts to convince somebody? The facts just become irrelevant. I agree with that. And the problem, and the
0: thing that you run into is that that goes back to why people decide that they're going to double down on their beliefs if the facts don't bear out. I mean, it's our personal experiences outweigh any... Facts or figures or anything else that we have. And trying to convince somebody that a fact is true is usually a losing proposition. Uh, What I would like to see is just more of us expecting our leaders to take evidence and a fact based approach and look at that information and, you know, start making policy based on that or start framing policy debates or framing. What we talk about Based on information and good information, uh, rather than just doubling
1: down. Yeah, we have to watch out because it looks like the availability of good information is going to be uh, a lot more scarce. With uh, gag orders on government organizations that provide funding, slowdown and or even seizure of grants that are provided to educational organizations that do this research, we're going to find that more and more research is conducted by corporations corporate-funded research, which if you don't feel that one bias seems to go one way and one bias seems to go the other way, I mean, we just perceive that government research is biased in favor of one side of the political argument and corporate-funded research is biased in favor of profits for the corporations. Again, this is all part of the plan to muddle the idea of what's true and what's not. And if the only organizations providing research are those that are also seeking profit, you know, how are we going to fight against bad Information. I
0: think this is a good place to talk about how do you find reliable sources of information? Where can you go to find this information that is just a little bit more reliable than, you know, I mean, than just listening to, what, to somebody just spouting off all the time and, and contradicting himself one day uh, after saying one thing one day and then con- contradicting himself the next day? Like, how do you find reliable sources of information?
1: Well, I think the first thing we have to figure out is how to identify what's fake news, like the real fake news that we talked about at the beginning of the show, versus what is not fake news but might be biased versus something that is as unbiased as possible. Not that anybody seems to want to read anything that's unbiased as possible, but these are the things that we have to look for. We have to be able to identify a piece, whether it's a news story or just a piece of information and get to the bottom of how real it is and then how slanted it might be.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, you know, we've got a good chart that we'll share in the show notes. Yeah.
1: So the chart that we'll share, it's, it's one that's also been shared a lot on social media, but it basically takes not all, but a portion of the most popular legitimate media outlets and it places them on a map that goes, it's a chart that goes from left to right. There's left being the liberal side and right being the conservative side. And then there's also the other axis, the y axis, which measures how, you know, at the bottom is the sensationalism and and simplicity and then as you go up the chart it goes to more complex in-depth stories and research and how, how it dives deep into any particular story. It, it's
0: just interesting to note that it takes a look at here's some stuff that's still reputable but has a liberal bias. Here's the stuff that's still reputable but has a conservative bias. And then it's got a really interesting shading that shows okay, here's the stuff that will confirm your existing biases, but you're not going be able to convince other people and you need to watch out how much you hang there because that that, that's you in the echo chamber and then they talk about stuff that's got sensational it's got low low analysis and it's just really there to draw you in and I love it because on the conservative side it's it's like just no it's it's stuff like red state and daily collar and info wars and then on the the liberal side it's like don't read this it's stuff like addicting info and u.s uncut and Occupy Democrats because that's stuff that you know it happens on both sides. You, you get the sensational stuff, and they're just sharing it around for the clickbait. You know, if I see something that it that looks like it's riling me up on social media, I take a step back and say, "Oh, wait a sec, where did this story come from?" And even if it's a sentiment I agree with, I'm like, "Oh, if it came from like one of these websites." That's a little bit uh, shady in terms of, you know, what to, (laughs) whether or not it's clickbait, whether or not they're actually analyzing when it comes to that, then, yeah, I, I'll say, wait a minute, you know, not worth, definitely not worth sharing. And there's no way to verify this stuff that this is true.
1: It's that, it's that clickbait. It's that sensationalist. It's, it's those uh, conspiracy theories that get shared so often, passed around because, We just want to believe it's true or it confirms our bias or it's, you know, it's just interesting and people love sharing things that are interesting and interesting doesn't always mean good. And, you know, I've stopped myself from, I I can't, I can't even bring myself to share any piece of news these days because it's so overshared and the environment on social media is, is so volatile. I'm, I'm trying to stay away from it. I don't comment on anything. I don't share Anything, it's there are other ways for me to express my feelings and take action on the things that are important to me. And I'm going to focus on that instead of trying to, you know, be the one guy that changes somebody's mind on Facebook.
0: Yeah. And I like that. And, and in a lot of ways, rather than sharing on Facebook, you're probably more effective contacting your local representatives. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 sharing your thoughts on something, and encouraging your friends and family to do the same, uh, rather than just contributing to the never ending outrage on social media. And I think things also to look for is a lot of the time you have uh, studies published universities still do a lot of really good work. A lot of the time, the studies are not going to be set in stone, but you can add that to the body of evidence up until now uh, most of the research funded by the government has actually been pretty good research it's pretty rigorous i don't know how that's going to survive gag orders and funding cuts but up until now that kind of information has been pretty um pretty rigorous in terms of scientific studies and uh, so so looking for those kinds of things that are funded And not necessarily, as we mentioned before, by for-profit institutions, you're going to be more likely. I'm not saying, you know, just because it's funded by a for-profit institution doesn't mean it's bad research, but you're going to see more likely, you're going to see results played up that support the profit proposition and things downplayed that don't. And, And, you know, we've seen that in the past from, you know, pharmaceutical companies where they've downplayed some of the bad stuff, and people get hurt. So it's important to kind of take that, take, take it with a grain of salt.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to take everything with a grain of salt. And I think the best way to really understand, know how to sniff out what is what is a good study and and not a good study is to actually think back to the days when you learned the scientific method. And don't just read the news stories, but read the abstracts of these studies, read even more, read, read the entire study so you see the methodology. So you can look for things like um, an unrepresentative sample or a study that should probably be a double blind study that's not, or something that is statistically, you know, the study's claiming one thing, but statistically, you know, there's, there, there, maybe there's not so much of a statistical difference if you look at the data a different way. And the only way you're gonna know that is by taking the time and reading much further than any news story can possibly provide.
0: Definitely. And I think that's part of what's hard right now is the amount of effort that it takes to be an informed citizen and make an informed opinion. It's a little bit high. So you kind of do have to say, okay, what are the things that matter most to me? And what am I going to focus my time and energy on?
1: Yeah. And we take shortcuts, right? And we believe that there are certain personalities you know, we feel that, well, if they're saying this, then they must have done the rigorous research, right? Like people will will share Sean King's articles. And, you know, I'm sure there are equivalents on every side of things. Maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, stuff published on Breitbart, we assume that they've made all of the they've done all of the in depth analysis of whether something is true or not. And so we feel that well, if they say, it's okay, then it must be okay. And maybe we shouldn't be putting our faith and we should be doing the research ourselves. But then again, the whole idea of literacy, media literacy, information literacy, science literacy, these are all liberal ideas. So good luck. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) So what are some things we could do now? Let's let's move on from that as quickly as possible. What are some of the things that we can do now to get back into uh, helping at least on our own
1: efforts figure out you know what is real well i think the first thing is to look at the source right and and try to dive down and and find out what the source really is because sometimes you know if it's if it's an article posted in the new york times okay the new york times is the media but what's the source the new york times isn't doing their own research unless it's an investigative journalism type of story, right? You have to look to see who the New York Times is quoting. What is their motivation? And you go on from there.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think the next thing you need to do is before you share a link on social media, vet the source. So first of all, figure out, okay, Where am I getting my information? Am I creating for myself an alternate reality? This is what you were talking about, Harlan. And then kind of move away from that. And then next, before you share something in social media or quote something to one of your friends when you're having a discussion, check the source. Is it reputable and is it meant to perpetuate the outrage machine? I think a lot of the time we just say, oh, I agree with that, and then we share it. And we don't realize that you know maybe that information isn't the greatest, <laughs> and, yeah. and and then when you find out later, you you have remorse. Um, and like you, Harlan, I try really hard not to share a lot of stuff on my personal uh, social media that has to do with you know what's going on. There were a couple things that I have shared in the last couple of weeks of recording this because I feel strongly about them, and they but they were they were things that were backed up with pretty solid uh, information and pretty solid research and pretty solid sources. So I think that it's important that before you share a link, take a step back and ask yourself, is the source reputable? And then the next thing to ask yourself is, what's really being accomplished by my sharing this? Do do I really need to share this? And do I really need to contribute to the current online
1: atmosphere? One of the things that I look out for is whether a story uses adjectives in front of a person's name, like incensed John Smith lashes out against his party's approach to whatever. That's a good indication that there's going to be some kind of bias that is going to... It's, it's there because it wants to attract people who believe the same thing, and they're also incensed about something or other. It's a clear signal that There's something biased about what's going on. And whether it's an angry adjective or a flowery, positive adjective, either way, it's going to be a biased story, so just read it with a grain of salt. You just have to take your grain of salt. So you can still read it, you can still understand it, you can still take in what you what you need to take in from it. That's that's not something that is designed to be factual. That's a
0: really good rule. Does it have an adjective in front of it? <laughs> in front of a person's name, I like that. Uh, and finally, something I like to do is seek out information from a source that leans to a different viewpoint than you. So. Because I'm a crazy commie liberal, I do like reading like The Atlantic and Slate. But I also make it a point to read things from like The Hill and The Economist because that's, those are reputable sources of information. They're, they offer in-depth and analytical coverage and it does have kind of a bias a little bit. It's it's It skews conservative, The Economist, The Hill, those kinds of the fiscal times, those things kind of skew that way and even though in the Wall Street Journal. So I find it interesting to go and read things that challenge my viewpoint. Sometimes I even read, Things that I think are terrible in challenging my viewpoint. And the other thing I like to do is listen to people who disagree with me. It's actually really easy. I just go to Sunday dinner. I just listen to my parents talk at the dinner table. And that way, that way I can, it helps me come out of my bubble and it's a good way to help you check yourself and say, okay, am I living in a reality bubble? Uh, because even if perceptions and you can't find oh what is objective truth the fact of the matter is is so many of us are living in this bubble as as you mentioned earlier that we forget that other people have different viewpoints, and that it's not self evident that the way you think is the only way people are thinking and the only right way to do things. And so I think seeking out information from a source that disagrees with you is a really good place to start.
1: Yeah, I I, I think uh, the the whole idea of being a person who listens to a variety of different viewpoints is, is going to be so helpful in understanding the world, because so much of our understanding is limited by the input that's coming into us. So, we have to diversify that input and we have to qualify that input and make sure that it's quality that's coming in, but there's quality across the political spectrum. And we we have to understand that there are people with valid perspectives that we have to listen to all the time. Otherwise we are just going to end up in our own silo. And, you know, it, nothing pains me more when I see family sharing things that are, are just, you know, totally skewed in one way or another and it happens on it happens on both sides of the politics on both sides of the political spectrum so we've just got to understand that the truth is going to be somewhere between those sensational those sensationalized ideas but it may not be right in the middle and we have to accept that that you know there, there are things that are going to be true that are things that we don't Fully believe in. We have to find compromise in this world. We have to find a way to work together and understand that there are so many different viewpoints. And not only is it not on one side of the political spectrum completely, but there's more than two sides as well. We seem to have just reduced everything to left versus right. And it makes it so easy to demonize the other, uh, the people who believe differently that way. But there's nuance to everything, and and there's there's different angles that we have to consider. It's not just this one dimensional line. And on that note, we have a listener question.
0: <laughs> they say my parents have been watching and reading videos and articles from sites that I'm pretty sure aren't reputable. As a result, their personalities are changing. They are becoming more fearful and prejudiced. They say and act in in a way opposite to what they taught me growing up. What can I do to bring them back to how they were before?
1: That's 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 difficult. Let's let's look at this. <sighs> When it comes to parents, I'm we're Whoever it comes down to communication, and I think opening up a dialogue is always a good thing. And you want to talk about these issues without hurting their feelings or turning them away from you. You know, it's it's tough when you see personalities changing, but I think it's important to remember that we've been through this before. Terrorist attacks on September eleventh, uh, two thousand one. It it was an event that occurred that certainly spurred people to solidify their beliefs, their their worldview in one way or another. And we did survive political turmoil. I think we did become stronger for it. I think we've had a pretty good decade the past 10 years, at least. You know, that's my perspective. And I know a lot of people have a different perspective on the decade, on the past decade. But these things do work out. Eventually, those who feel that we had a bad decade with Obama as president feel vindicated now that we have a different president in the White House. And things are perhaps going their way a little bit more. And it's a pendulum that goes back and forth. And whenever you swing one way further, you're going to swing back the other way even further. And it just, it it's, it's going to continue to happen this way it's it's a natural course of society we just have to be careful that we don't take it too far and when it comes to watching your parents and how do you get them back to what they taught you as a as as you were growing up i think it all comes back to just being willing to be compassionate and listen to them. And these are the only parents you'll ever have. So it's not like you can shut them out of your life like you might shut out somebody who doesn't believe with you on Facebook and who constantly posts things that you don't agree with. I think you have to keep them engaged, be willing to even take a loss and not feel that you have to Change somebody's minds. Just be open to having the discussion with them. Yeah,
0: I think that's the point. Is you're not going to bring them back to the way they were before unless they actually stop reading that stuff and watching that stuff. This is actually something that my ex husband saw with his parents and is still trying to to deal with. He's lucky in that they are willing to have a dialogue and and it's usually pretty respectful. But it is very hard for him to see because they are different, and they act in ways that he wasn't, that they didn't raise him to act as. Even though I talk about how I don't agree with my parents on a lot of stuff, I am happy that you know, they still still act very consistently with the way they did before and they are very thoughtful people and they are very principled people that we can have principled disagreements about and I, I think it is hard when you say, Oh my gosh, you raised me to be this way and now you're not that way at all because you've allowed what you consume in terms of media to change your worldview and change the way you view things. And that's hard because you can't really call that out in your parents and, and they're more likely to get defensive and double down. Really, the best you can do is is keep living a life along the principles that you believe are correct. And, you know, thank your parents for teaching you as you were growing up to live life without fear or live life without prejudice or thank them for teaching you to be welcoming to other people and talk about the ways you are being welcoming to other people because of their influence. And hopefully, you know, that can help them kind of come back to that and say, Oh, wait a minute, you know, I've, uh, you know, maybe I am getting away from my values. So there, there's no way to a- approach it directly without causing strife and defensiveness.
1: On that note, we'd love to hear how you deal with some of these difficult situations. So let us know. Join our community on Facebook, hashtag adulting. Our page on Facebook is adulting. And our website, of course, is adulting.tv. You can subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed this discussion at adulting.tv slash iTunes. And ask us a question. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions about what is real, what is reality, or if you just have an idea for a future podcast or want to let us know uh, what you think, uh, go to adulting.tv slash ask we'd love to hear from you so uh thanks for listening and until next time this is adulting.tv with harlan and miranda thank you for listening to adulting find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv